0: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The following program is being brought to you on the 7th Wave Network. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit seventhwavenetwork.com.
1: afternoon, and welcome to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews. Over the next hour, you'll learn how to see your true self in the midst of life's twists and turns. You'll be challenged to think outside of the box when it comes to the mysteries of life. Now, here's your host, Andrea Matthews.
2: You know, there are a lot of people, some of you included, out there talking about enlightenment, what it means and how to get it. The biggest hype about it is that if you are enlightened, you are living in a constant state of bliss. But can most people really attain that? A better question is, is that what enlightenment is really all about? Well, our guest today is going to answer that question. He is Robert Foreman, Ph.D., author of the book, Enlightenment Ain't What It's Cracked Up to Be, A Journey of Discovery, Snow, and Jazz in the Soul, in which he exposes his own journey to enlightenment in some very enlightening ways. The book is so candid as to become an opening in the psyche of the reader to allow room for the affirmation of one's own journey while simultaneously busting some of the mythology about enlightenment. So if you're on your own journey to enlightenment, don't listen to part of this show. Listen to all of it. You'll be glad you did. Robert K.C. Foreman, Ph.D., is a professor of comparative religion, a co-founder of the Journal of Consciousness Studies, and of the Forge Guild of Spiritual leaders and Le- uh, Teachers and Leaders, and of the Soul Jazz family of programs for bringing spirituality into the everyday. He's a meditator of 42 years and author of this book that we're going to be talking about today, Enlightenment 8-1 is Cracked Up to Be, endorsed by Dr. Larry Dossey, Jack Canfield, Ken Wilber, and others. So welcome, Robert, to our show today.
0: Well, what a wonderful introduction, Andrea. Thank you so much, and it's really a really a pleasure to be here. I really admire what you do.
2: Oh, thank you so much. Thank you so much. That means a lot coming from you. So one of the things that I really enjoyed about your book, Robert, was that it was so candid. Uh, It was so exploratory of your own journey, but candid in the moment. Now, as you were even as you were trying to put words to paper, you were exploring what you wanted to say and how you wanted to say it. And it's a it's a, a read that just carries you. You don't. It's not one of those that just you stop and. And uh and, and want to put it down and forget about it. It's one of those that you just can't stop reading. So I really, really enjoyed it and I really would recommend it to all of our listeners because there's a lot of confusion going on out there, a lot of magical thinking about what enlightenment is and isn't, what heaven is and what what it means to be a spiritually enlightened person. So why did you decide to write this book this way?
0: Uh First of all, thank you very much. What a nice thing to say. I'm oh, so really welcome. tickled. Um, well, I I I started the book um, because as a professional at this, I've been reading and writing about spirituality, mysticism for all of my adult life and thinking about this stuff for all of my adult life. And I've probably read, I don't know, 1,500, 2,000 books about spirituality, mysticism and whatnot. And at some point, I I just couldn't read anymore. And the the problem I was having was that there was a kind of fiction that we were telling each other. And and your phrase, magical thinking, gets at some of that. There was a kind of idealization of what the spiritual path is, of what enlightenment is. And so when I started to work on this book, uh, I decided I was going to try to write a book for an audience of one, me. And I was going to attempt to write about the spiritual path, about my own path, my own life, in a way that seemed true to me. So that the audience of one, I had to be satisfied that it was, it was really true what I was saying. So that every sentence I would go and look over draft after draft. And I would say to myself, is this true or is this just what I'm supposed to be saying? And it, often it was what I was supposed to be saying. Often it was the sort of quote, right answer about the spiritual path. And so I kept coming back to the problem I was having, which was, well, what really is true here? And part of the problem there, and here's where your question is really bang on, part of the problem there is that I, like many of us on the spiritual path, live at two levels, or more than two levels. But for me, it kind of of comes down to two levels. I do carry some silence with me. I think many people on the spiritual path know exactly what I mean you carry this sense of openness you carry a sense of sort of deep inner quiescence or deep inner peace and yet i also find myself anxious and i and i struggle and i find myself not knowing what to say and you know so it's it's that becomes the beginning of how do you be an adult how do you be a grown up and have a spiritual life how do we deal with our spiritual life now now that we've, many of us have been on this path for a while, how do we deal with the spiritual life and tell the real truth about it? How do we deal with the fact that we do carry some silence and we carry some anxiety? We do carry silence and we get upset with our wives or husbands. We carry silence and our children drive us crazy. So it's like that becomes the problem I think many of us are dealing with in the spiritual life, which is how do you live this stuff? So the question of being honest about my own struggles to articulate what I'm feeling, where I am, who I am, I think all of that is really what many of us deal with. And so I was attempting to write a book that was capturing the real truth, the real problem, that I think all of us face on the spiritual path. But you put it really nicely. I can't tell you what a wonderful question that is. Thank you so much.
2: You're so welcome. All I got to tell you, you did it. You accomplished what you set out to do.
0: Well, Uh, thank you so
2: much. uh, Because it really does. It it really. I love the title in the first place, but the second, it really does capture the struggle between those two worlds, if I can call it that. I'm not sure that "worlds" is the appropriate term, but between those two ways of viewing life, from one from the silence, or what I call the stillness, one from the one from this. The rigors of the chaotic life we all live in, on planet yeah. Earth. So. Yeah.
0: If, I, if I can read a little bit, a little bit from the end of the first chapter. I yeah. am closed and I am afraid. And I am as open as the colorless air. I don't know if I'm a human being held in the arms of an endlessness or a vastness having human fears. Being both these things at once is the peculiar miracle of my life. And of many lives of people on the path. Learning to live them both and well is our challenge. I think that there's, there was, there's been so much hype about what enlightenment is and so much hype about what the spiritual path would do for us. You know, we thought that if we ever gained enlightenment, everything would be wonderful and our life would be great and you wouldn't suffer. And I think that's... And you'd get um, rich. I'm sorry? And
2: you'd get rich. (laughs) And
0: you'd get rich. That's right. Yeah,
3: that's right. (laughs) I Throw was, that one we, in the mix, too, because that's to out
0: there. You. I'd forgotten that part. <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah.
0: Um, Go ahead, I'm it, sorry it, I interrupted It turns you. out to be a much more, you know, life turns out to be much more ambiguous than we were sort of counting on. It's not to say that the spiritual path doesn't produce anything good. I think absolutely the opposite is true. But it is to say it is not the panacea that, frankly, we were promised, and certainly that we understood it was going to be. It was It, it doesn't turn out to be this sort of... You know, all life is perfect. It turns out to be a boon, but, but, but a quiet boon, and a boon that helps us move our lives forward, and I think it connects with all of our lives. So that, uh, it's right in there that I was, I, it's a kind of narrow ridge I'm attempting to walk in the book. Mm-hmm. And it's the ridge between saying, oh bosh, enlightenment is nothing, and wow, enlightenment is everything. You know, what I was attempting to say is, no enlightenment isn 't it doesn 't live up to the hype, but nor is it nothing nor is, the spiritual path is not nothing; it does produce something of, of enormous value. it just isn 't as loud and isn 't as as simple as we were expecting when we were twenty
2: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. absolutely, yeah, and you had some really potent spiritual experiences during your meditation that were, I mean, over time, as I looked at it in the book, were kind of a, uh, if you will, a cleaning out of something with the the little things opening in the back of your neck. Yeah, I mean, that those were some pretty powerful experiences. And I think one of the things that we've been taught to look for is those powerful experiences. And yet, they're so easily dismissible
0: yeah, as right. well. Well, so, let me let me talk about that a little bit. I think you're... Our listeners would probably like to hear a little of that story.
3: Yeah. Um,
0: I was in a nine-month meditation retreat. Um, We meditated for between six and eight hours a day. Um, And during that time, um, I had this thing that was happening in the back of my head. Um, It was very odd. I've never heard anybody else describe it. But it was as if in a little tiny area in the back of my skull, a sense of vastness would sort of switch on, a sense of open, endless, silent vastness would sort of establish itself. And then a few days later, right next to that, another little section would just go and then in that area, I now had that same sense of open vastness. So that there's, for a while, for about a month or so, I had one side of my body was this very dizzying sense of openness, and on the other side, it was just regular. And over the course of about a month, little by little, that sense of openness, that sense of silent presence, um, established itself more and more and more. And then finally, it it had taken over the whole back of my mind, as it were. And a couple of things happened at the same time. And And the interesting thing, and this is what I think... One of the features of enlightenment is that it is permanent. So the interesting thing was that the first thing I noticed was that all the background thoughts in my mind, you know, like when I, before when I was paying attention to something, I would have, be, be listening to you say, and then behind that would be a thought about, oh, don't forget to pick up the milk, and then behind that would be another thought about, oh, so-and-so said such such-and-such to me, I wonder if she likes me, and behind that would be some, uh, and maybe a little tune would be in there. And all of that background gook just switched itself off, just like that. And that was quite, I couldn't have missed that. It was very noticeable. And the other thing I think that was quite remarkable was that my sense of who I was or am switched from being kind of confused with or all caught up with what I was seeing or thinking to now I recognized or sensed that I was now this new silence that had established itself in my life. And I was witnessing or the silence itself was witnessing or watching what I was involved with. So it made the sense of seeing and the sense of whatever I was thinking about that much more alive because I was now aware of the awareness that was watching that. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is my first thought, of course we'd heard so much about enlightenment, my first thought was, oh wow, this is enlightenment. But within an hour, I realized I was still anxious. I was still struggling with depression. I was worried about seeing some girl as I walked down the steps. And so my second thought, and this one lasted for about 10 years, was, oh, no, this can't possibly be it because we were promised enlightenment is going to be perfect. It's going to be so great. So I I had to put out of my mind that this might even be the enlightenment we'd heard so much about. All and it was only right. well, we're going to come back attack.
2: to that note right after the break. So okay. stay tuned for I'll more. You this, don't want to miss this next one. I'll
0: tell the rest of the story part. later because it gets us into what we want to talk about.
2: Absolutely.
4: <laughs> Awakened Media for a transforming world. 7th Wave Network.
5: The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming healthcare care
1: That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews.
2: And the Authentic Living Show is sponsored by the Institute of Noetic Sciences, dedicated to expanding science beyond conventional paradigms. Founded by Apollo 14 astronaut Edgar Mitchell, IONS is a nonprofit research, education, and membership organization whose mission is supporting individual and collective transformation through consciousness research, educational outreach, and engaging in a global learning community in the realization of human potential. You can join that learning community at www.noetic.org. And today we're we're very fortunate to be talking to Dr. Robert Foreman about his wonderful book, Enlightenment Ain't What It's Cracked Up to Be. And just before the break, I had to cut you off there, uh, uh, Robert. You were talking about your personal experience, and we were about to hit a pivotal point, so I want you to just carry it from there.
0: <laughs> yes, I was hitting a pivot. <laughs> Thank you for cutting me off so I didn't talk over the end. Um, yeah, what I was describing was that I had these experiences when I was on this meditation retreat. And my first thought was, oh, my goodness, this is enlightenment. But my second thought was, no, this can't possibly be enlightenment. Because it, I was not happy, I was, not, I was still struggling with anxiety and depression, and that lasted for eight or ten years, all of those struggles. Um, and then I was in graduate school studying Hinduism and Buddhism and whatnot, and, and lo and behold, I started reading things that said to me, you know, this is what the texts are describing. If I can give you one example, for example, uh, the, the Upanishads have this wonderful passage that goes like this, two birds inseparable companions perch on the same tree one eats the fruit the other looks on the first bird is our individual self the other is the universal self silently witnessing all and so what I was seeing there was precisely what I was experiencing which was on the one hand I had this side of my life that was active and feeling and doing things and on the other hand I have this silent witness the sense of silence was what was witnessing, or what is witnessing, to everything that I do, and I began to think, you know, maybe what I'd been experiencing for ten years was, in fact, what the texts were describing. And I could give you some other examples, but the, I think the point is that our, that my understanding of what enlightenment was was so influenced by the hype and the excitement and the hope that. I had just had faith in something that was inaccurate. I would, it, it is not like that, and I've come to understand that what the texts are describing as enlightenment is a very specific shift. It's a shift from being all caught up in your uh, in the in the details of your life to what I call the great unmingling. You you unmingle yourself. You separate your sense of who you are from what goes on in your life, and that I think is what the texts mean by enlightenment. And I don't think that's enough for us. It certainly wasn't enough for me. So then the question becomes, okay, how do you bring that in? How do you bring the value of this? How do you bring the value of your spiritual life into your everyday life? And that became the quest of the rest of my life. And its I think I've learned a lesson or two, but that became the quest for the rest of my life. How do you bring this stuff to life?
2: Yeah, so how do you bring this stuff to life? <laughs>
0: Good segue there. All right, I think the key is this. Now here, I'm going to ask you a question, Andrea. Okay. Have you ever been with a friend, somebody that you trust and somebody that is a dear friend, and you're talking to them, and, and at some point you, you tell them about something you've been keeping from everyone, or certainly from them, something about a secret you've been holding back, uh, something maybe about your relationship, Something that's deeply important to you, but you've never told them before. Have you, have you ever had the experience of telling such a secret? Yeah. And what's it feel like after you tell that truth?
2: Well, in my guess, one thing, it feels good for me inside that I've told the truth, but another part of me might be responding to how they've reacted to what I've said.
0: Oh, that's very good. But let's talk about how it feels inside you. You say it feels good inside. Can you describe mm-hmm. that feeling of being good inside?
2: Freedom. It's a freedom to be able to be myself without the constraints of someone else's
0: judgment. Beautiful. Okay, so there's a sense of freedom, or another word for that would be a sense of openness. You've had something that you've been holding down, so I'm, I'm seeing right now a kind of closedness, a kind of like there's a rock on your chest, to being able to sort of take that rock off your chest or being able to be more open. And there's a sense now that I can be more myself. And all of that, that sense of freedom, that sense of openness, is precisely the quality that comes in the spiritual life. When you tell a secret, when you tell your truth, when you tell what is really so for you, that there's a sense of opening that comes with that, there's a sense of freedom that comes with that. And that sense of freedom is precisely what the key element of the spiritual life is and the key element that dawns with the dawning of silence so that for me the trick of bringing the value of our spiritual depth into our everyday life is learning how to tell the real truth to ourselves to others and 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 that is what i think is freeing but but before i get before people getting confused, let me say a couple of things about that sort of truth-telling. First of all, it's not telling the other guy what is true for you. That is to say, it's not like, you look fat in that dress, or you've been mean to me. It's nothing about the other guy. It's rather something that is so in myself. So rather than saying, you've been mean to me, the real revelation is, oh, I've been mean to you. So there's a sense here of the freedom of telling the truth about yourself. And generally that freedom is rather vulnerable-making. You know, if, 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 you say, if you say something that's really true and the other person responds really poorly to it, that's scary because you've told them the real truth now. Yet if you pick good friends, you know, and if you pick the right people to tell your truth to, then there's something just deeply rewarding about that and deeply freeing. And I think that that becomes the key element of living a life in the same, well, in integrity with the spiritual depth that we all have, have, have been discovering on our spiritual paths. Does this make sense to you?
2: Yes, absolutely. And, and, uh, so I'm, I'm imagining that is a little bit like dialoguing with the witness so that you begin to speak from what the witness has seen.
0: Well, I, I would say, I would put it this way. Uh, yes. Okay. And I would put it this way. The witness, I think, or the sense of silence that many of us carry, um, I think, serves as a kind of beacon or, or a beckoning, like a finger beckoning. I know that the silence inside is utterly effortless in itself. It is completely without work. But it takes work to hold a secret. It takes work to tell a fib or to tell a lie to yourself. So that when I can start telling the truth, I'm starting to get increasingly free. My life starts to get com- uh, increasingly without work, without effort. So that it becomes, I become freer as I speak the truth. And so in that sense, the witness provides a kind of beacon of possibility of you can be free. You can be open. And so it makes me, and I think it makes all of us, the sense of silence that we carry makes us all very uh, impatient with our own untruth and our own lack of integrity. So that I think the witness is inviting us, the sense of silence invites us to be that open in our lives and that open with our fellow human beings.
3: Yeah.
2: Yeah. And as we do that, we become more more in tune with the witness. Is that I true? I think
0: so. Yeah. Or, or yeah. my word for that would be an integrity with it, yes. Okay. I want to live in okay. integrity with it, which means I want to have my external life be as free and easy and without defense as is that sense of silence inside that sense of the witness. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think that's nice yeah. put.
2: Yeah, and one of the other illusions or magical thoughts that I think we've had about, um, about enlightenment is that once we... Uh, Touch the hem of that garment, so to speak, we don't need help from anybody else ever again and oh, yeah. that, that illusion prevents us from the rich experiences we could have through, uh, f- through for in growth because we we say to ourselves well okay'm I'm, I'm enlightened now or I'm on the path to enlightenment now, and therefore if I need help from somebody else like a therapist, well that means that I'm not really enlightened.
0: Yeah, not that's, really the path. You know, you, you've really nailed. Uh, there's a couple things here I'd like to say. Uh, first of all, it was very hard for me uh, after all this happened. It was very hard for me to go to a psychotherapist because I was saying, "Well, I'm a meditator; it's all going to work out." And I carry silence. Of course, it's you know, it's like you really have to let that one go, and that's hard to let go when you're on one of these paths. You know, it mm-hmm. was very hard for me to let go. But the second thing is, I think that the tendency of all of us on the spiritual trail is what Jung called spiritual bypass. That is, it's because I can kind of sink into this quiet space, what I like to call my Buddha belly, because I can sink into this quiet space, it's easy for me to kind of duck the contact with other people and to duck the fact that I'm really not doing particularly well or to duck the fact that I'm being a bit of a jerk right now. And I think that that the spiritual path, because it it does make us more comfortable, it's easy to hide there. And it's a real challenge to let go of the illusion that we are perfect, our life is perfect, and that we do need some help. But, and I think here's what you're pointing to, the sense that we can start to work with other people about where we're stuck and where they're stuck, oh, my goodness, that's where life becomes truly rich. Because if we can start telling the real truth about ourselves, that's real human contact, and and with that, I'm totally in love. I just think that's really the way to go.
2: Mm-hmm. It enlivens life, doesn't it? Mm. Yeah, and that that there's a you know I I have found this in myself, and hopefully I've worked through some of it at least, um, and I see that in, in other people as well. Sometimes that when we get into that sort of teacher mode, there's this cool almost rejecting distance. Uh, that we send out to the world. And that's not at all what we say we're sending out. It's not at all what we want to send out, but somehow we're sending it out.
0: You know, I I think that's true. And and here I want to be a little vulnerable with you, which is um, at this very moment, I realize that I've kind of got my teacher hat on. Mm -hmm. And um, it, it becomes hard to make the switch into... The sense of, oh, here is where I'm struggling. I mean, we only have, what, an hour on this telephone, on this, on this interview, and, and it would take a long time for me to discern with you, you know, where we can go. So I want to own up to the fact that I, I do have this kind of teacherly hat on. But I also want to say to you, and you kind of indicated it two seconds ago, but I also want to say to you, I still am on the path of growth, and I hope that I never stop. Mm -hmm. It's really where things are alive for me. So let's talk about that after the break.
2: Right, right. All right, and we will be back with more from Dr. Robert Foreman on Enlightenment Ain't What It's Cracked Up To Be. So come back.
4: Awakened Media for a Transforming World. Seventh Wave Network. The Institute
5: of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences' research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming health care.
1: wellness network
4: awakened media for a transforming world seventh wave network
1: you're listening to authentic living with andrea matthews
2: And we're back talking today to Dr. Robert Foreman about his wonderful book, Enlightenment Ain't What It's Cracked Up To Be, A Journey of Discovery, Snow, and Jazz in the Soul. And what we were saying just before the break, uh, we went on and continued to talk about that behind, uh, behind your backs uh, for the <laughs> listening audience uh, a little bit. I think one of the things that I want to sort of shift with here is, is the idea that this thing has to be a personal experience. It's not one that somebody. Else, I mean, we, we do we do learn. We are taught, and yet everything we have to uh, have to do about it is a personal experience. Would you really be willing to say more about that?
0: Yeah. Well, let's, let's let's talk in two ways about that. First, I want to talk about the role of teacher. Okay. Um, I, I teach this stuff. I write about it. I've been a professor for you know twenty, thirty years. I, I run workshops and and it's always an ambiguous privilege to do that. On the one hand, you really do want to teach something that you've learned. On the other hand, I'm a flawed human being. And and I am I struggle. I struggle in my marriage still some, I struggle in my work life, you know, and I don't have it all solved. And and to talk to you or to be a facilitator or a, or a teacher of this stuff is always a very delicate art because on the one hand, I want to let people know that I absolutely don't have it all together i am not perfect and even though i do carry silence on a permanent basis and thus uh, i think i live what it is i've been talking about um i i don't i'm not my life is not everything's not resolved and i don't want to kid around and pretend that i've got it all together i think that's a very dangerous act from the teacher's point of view Mm -hmm. and then from the student's point of view i also think it's very easy to take on a teaching to take on an understanding and to think, aha, now I understand that all life is blank, you know, oneness or is, you know, is part of the spiral of dynamics or, you know, it's like you take on these teachings and then you think, aha, I've got it. But but I think the real message is that we as human beings need to sort of sit with both what we do know and own up to where we are caught and what we don't know. And that's hard. Truth-telling at that level always causes a slight bit of anxiety because you don't know where it's going to go. You do recognize that you don't have it all together and that it's, it's facing into the challenge of being uh, both confused and wise at the same time. Or in my case, what I was talking about before, facing into the challenge of holding silence at the same time. That you're holding anxiety and you're, and you're holding your own confusion. And I think that that, that makes the spiritual path, no, that makes human life that much more challenging, that much more interesting, and it's, it's there where we both know and don't know. It's on that living vibratory edge that, that life becomes truly Deeply lived, and that's where we get, we become really alive. And that's where relationships and friendships can become truly dynamic and truly alive. When we can live and, and bring ourselves back again and again to that place of, ooh, I do know this and I don't know that. I do know that I'm strong and I know that I'm weak. It's in that place, Andrea, that I think that things become really alive. And that's, that's certainly what I want to do with my life. That's certainly what I want to do with my friends and my contacts.
2: Mm-hmm. And would I think I got this from the book, Tell Me If I'm Wrong, that that essence of coming to life, that aliveness, is what enlightenment really is all about.
0: Um, no, I think enlightenment, as the texts talk about it, is this ability to hold uh, silence at the same time as you're engaged in your in your life and your world. But I think what you're pointing to is, that ability to be alive is what I would call a full life. I think what we're really after on the spiritual path and in the human path, I think what we're really after is we're after having a complete, free, open, wise, and delicious life. So it's it's a bigger thing than what I think the traditions are talking about when they talk about enlightenment. I think what you're pointing to is exactly what we're after. I just don't want to use the word enlightenment. I want to reserve the word enlightenment for what the traditions, I think the traditions mean by moksha, or pratichasamapada or nirvana. I think these terms are really pointing to a, var- a rather specific shift, a kind of metaphysical shift, if you will, into a into a different state than we were before. But I think what we're really after is that, that kind of full living vibratory life alone and with others. Yeah.
3: Okay okay thank you so for forgive me, that
0: up. I, I I'm kind of on this I'm kind of on this rant here of, of, of saying no let's protect the word enlightenment to mean something rather specific but let's talk about what we really want as the full human life or in the book I call it enlightenment plus which I think is another way to talk about it
2: right yeah 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 okay mm-hmm. and uh, you know as you've talked about this whole idea of you started off this uh, this segment talking about how you wanted to be clear that you were not perfect and I, I think that's one of the things that i hear pretty commonly in the new age new thought uh movement is that when we have these shifts in consciousness it it is transformative so we reach a higher self a a yep. new personality we're tra- transformed into a different kind of person so that we become more perfect can you yep. say something about that
0: yeah I did this is part of the kind of mistake that i i also made and then when when this thing kind of Came about when you know, the experience I was describing before came about. I realized I hadn't changed enough. I think what happens is I think that this this new kind of silence becomes established in one, and that silence really is a value. It really is a new way to be a self or a new way to be you, but it doesn't have the effect of transforming a personality, and certainly not in, you know not not instantly. I think, though, that what it does is it allows us to be that much, just a wee bit calmer in the middle of our life, just a wee bit more able to hold the coincidence of opposites in our everyday life, so that it becomes possible to live with the confusion that is a life and yet not get quite so overwhelmed by it. It becomes possible to live with, I don't know, for me the problem was depression when I started, and yet be just slightly less overwhelmed by depression. So I think it does what it is that we were hoping it does. It's just in order to understand the way it sort of hits us, you have to ratchet it back like 99%. So it's not so overwhelming. It's not so loud. And yet there is an effect of it. You know, it it really does make things that much easier. Now, I think that the key act is being able to tell the truth. I think silence helps us do that. I think carrying a spiritual depth, which I think people that practice that have been on these paths for a while, I think it really does help us learn how to tell what is really true for us. So it's not of no value, but I, I do think that it is—it's um, sort of less uh, immediate, less hypey, less neon lighty. You know, it is real. It is a value, but it's not quite the instant transformation. Now, the word, if you want me to go on, I could talk about the word higher state?
2: Yes, please do.
0: Um, I think what the texts are pointing to is something that is quite real. I think the silence that gets established is beyond what I used to know. Before I started this, I would have guessed at what the word silence meant or what the word uh, Brahman in the Hindu lexicon means. And and then once I started having that experience or those experiences, it was unlike what I thought it was going to be. It was different than what I thought. It was real. Um, it was quieter. It was um, it was much more sort of wide open. It was a shift that I did not expect. But I think the way the texts are talking about it is that it's higher in a kind of metaphysical sense. It's it's different in a metaphysical sense, emotionally, personality-wise. All of that is what I thought it was, and what I think most people think it is. But for me, the way I've come to understand it is, there's a deep shift in 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 what we are, as it were, existentially. But it's not a deep shift in who our personalities are. And that that confusion, I think, haunted me for many years. And I think I want to help people understand that that there is something higher, there is something different about the silence when it gets established. But it is it is a more abstract difference than I ever would have expected. So yeah, I think it's higher, but it's not it's not the kind of higher I was sort of assuming it was. It's not okay. like, oh now I'm a high dude and it's not like being drunk or stoned. It's rather that you are now kind of you live in a certain kind of quiescence you didn't used to have, but it's a very quiet thing. <laughs> okay.
2: All right. Well, we're going to come back and talk some more with Dr. Robert Foreman right after the break. So stay tuned for this last segment.
4: Awakened media for a transforming world. Seventh Wave Network.
5: The Institute of Noetic Sciences has been a pioneer and leading authority in the field of consciousness and healing for 38 years. We invite you to discover how you can transform your health or healing practice with ION's cutting-edge research into mind-body medicine and healing. For a limited time, you can receive valuable thank-you gifts when you support the Institute of Noetic Sciences' research and educational programs. Just click the banner on this page to discover how consciousness research is transforming health care.
4: The Mayan calendar tells us that we will be entering into a 260-day opportunity for us to engage in conscious co-creation with great spirit. How will we prepare ourselves for this exciting and unprecedented time in Earth's history?
1: That's 1-866-472-5795. You can also send your questions or comments by email to Andrea at andreamatthewslpc.com. Now, back to Authentic Living with Andrea Matthews.
2: Sad but true. But we're in our last segment talking today with uh, Dr. Robert Foreman about his book, Enlightenment Ain't What It's Cracked Up To Be. And we've learned a lot today about what it isn't and a lot about what it is. And uh, so we're going to be uh, – I want to first, before we go any further, I want to give you a chance, uh, Robert, to tell the listening audience a little bit about your, uh, your websites, how they can connect with you, any events you want to talk about coming up, anything like that.
0: Great. Well, um, my the website for the book is called... The book is called Enlightenment Ain't What It's Cracked Up To Be. And the website is Enlightenment Ain't. Without the apostrophe, you can't put an apostrophe in a URL. So EnlightenmentAint.com is the website for the book. Um, And uh, you can buy the book for the website, which would be lovely, or you can buy the book from Amazon or your local bookstore, which is fabulous. If you want to learn about... This, the techniques or the, the, the tools to be able to live uh, in, in a more truth-telling and in a, a deeper and more well-connected way. The organization that I run called the Forge Institute has a program called Soul Jazz. And Soul Jazz is designed to help people live their authenticity to experience dropping into that deep and authentic level of connection with yourself and other. And learn to do that in your everyday life. And then we're also building a community of people that want to do that, Playmates, as it were, what I like to call Playmates. And the website for that is GoDeeperTogether.com. That's GoDeeperTogether.com. And um, that you can uh, get put on our mailing list and we'll inform you about when the program is going to be running. We have a program that's going to be starting up in 2012, and uh, we'd love to have our listeners uh, be part of that. And it's, uh, it's an excellent program. I must say it was developed by a team of people from different traditions who, who bring different skills to the table. So it's a wonderful program and I can't recommend it enough, so. So thank you for asking that. And it's uh, as for events, I am going out to Seattle and Oregon and uh, Vancouver and if you're in that area, I'll be there in January. Check the website, enlightenment8.com for my schedule. There's quite a number of events that I'm hosting out there, so love to see people. So thank you for asking, Andrea.
2: You're welcome. You're welcome. I'm glad for to relay that information because I think what you have to offer is very important. Um, I think I want to I want to I want to uh, end our program on a note about what it what this whole thing is leading to. But I also want to talk just before that, just a minute, about this whole idea of uh, the of consciousness as a sort of experiment with reality, if you will, kind of the idea that consciousness is where we're going. You know, we, we talk a lot about becoming more conscious and what that means. And I think what I hear you saying is that becoming conscious really is about truth-telling. Is that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, I would, I would say so. That is, if, if I'm with you and I am keeping from you, what's really going on for me? I'm, I'm presenting a kind of facade, then really what I'm doing is I'm really not in my relationship with you, but I'm enacting a kind of pretend relationship with you. I want to live with you. I want to be with you, and I want to be with my friends and and my contacts in a way that I'm fully there, fully alive to who they are, to who I am. And the only way that happens is if we learn to tell the truth with one another. And I think the ability to tell what is really so Within myself and the ability to tell what is really so with another person is the key art that allows me to be fully with you and fully alive in our relationships. So that I, I think this truth telling can bring about a sense of being real in my life, being real together with you. And and I think that yeah, I think consciousness is a huge piece of that. But what I'm looking for is not... Now here, you know, as somebody that carries this this kind of thing. What I'm looking for is not just consciousness. I'm looking for a full life. and And what I want in a full life is to be fully alive with you, which requires that I can tell you, or tell myself anyway, the real truth. And sometimes be able to tell you the real truth.
2: Yeah, so it's not a magical thing to... Be present in the now, it really is all about that gut level kind of uh, being with the silence as you're
0: in the moment as well. Yeah, I think, and and you know, to be present to another person, you really are in the now. You know, it's like if I'm listening to you and I'm interacting with you in a way that's true, of course I'm in the now. I am present with you. So I think truth telling allows me to be present with you to live here and now to be fully here and fully now because i'm not i'm not hiding anything i'm not running away from being with you i simply am with you here i am in all of my warts and all of my glories and, and that's what i think it requires to live a life that is fully present and fully in integrity with who we are yeah
2: very good very good all right mm. well i want to uh, so so can you share with us basically where this is all ended up
0: <laughs> All right. I, I, I'd like to read you a little passage from Enlightenment A, what is cracked up to be. This comes at the very end. But I think this captures pretty well what I think we're really after in this, in this life. Rather than happiness, or what the Hindus call Ananda, in the end, what you get, what we get, is to become ever more real. We get to stand bent under the burdens of fewer and fewer of our own lives. With our feet planted ever more deeply into the soil of what is so... We get to become ever more vertical. Be able to stand up straight in who we are. And we get to discover with and to invite others who wish to do the same. What the spiritual path offers, and I broaden that and I would want to say what the human path offers, is not unmingled happiness and it's not the conventional. I don't think enlightenment and I don't think what we're after is unlimited happiness. Nor is it camaraderie, friendship or ease, though these may come. What we get instead is to be increasingly open to the joy and the melancholy, that is, the deeply lived life. In the end, what we get is to be increasingly alive, the mystery coursing up our spines. We get to be more awake, more deeply honest, freer, and to stand up straighter and straighter in what we are. We get to be, in all its ancient simplicity, a human being. And that, I think, is really what we're pointing to. I think consciousness points there. I think truth-telling points there. I think all of us are on a path to becoming ever more real and ever more human. And that, I think, is what we're really after. Mm
2: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, and so well said, too. So well said. I love the way you said that about uh, becoming more erect. Uh, yeah, that's a real uh, yeah. interesting way there of sort of coming into your own.
0: When you are living more what you are, you simply can stand up straighter. it. you don't have to duck, you don't have to duck and bob and weave. You can just be fully erect in what or who you are. Yeah, all it's right, beautiful, image.
3: beautiful.
2: All right, Robert. Thank you so much for uh, being a part of the show today, and the message that you have delivered is so wonderful. So thank you for sharing it with us.
0: And, and let and rem- me say thank you, Andrea. You do very good work here you are attempting to bring out real conversation in a world that is full of sound bites. You're attempting to ask thoughtful people, thoughtful questions about real matters. And I know how hard it is to do that, and you do it week after week so well. And I really compliment you. Uh, you do a wonderful job, and thank you for having me on your show.
2: Uh, thank you so much. And next week we're going to be talking to Laura Young about the nature of change. And remember, your job, should you choose to accept it, is to give birth to yourself
1: thanks again for listening to authentic living with andrea matthews join us again next wednesday afternoon at 1 p.m pacific 4 p.m eastern time here on the seventh wave network we'll talk again next week